like a sneaky jalapeno in your burrito. That unexpected heat is shocking, but you can't live without it. Jeff and Jeremy in the morning. Oh, oh! <laughs> Good morning and welcome in. I guess scientists have developed a new wearable sensor that might be able to help drinkers better manage their alcohol consumption. If you're one of these people that just get yourself into a little bit of trouble because you drink a little too much. Is this an ongoing blood alcohol monitor? Well, you see all these advertisements on TV now for people with diabetes to measure their blood sugar. Why couldn't Mm -hmm. they give you something that you stick on your arm that would measure your blood alcohol as you're drinking? This is scary because you know what's going to happen is they're going to they're going to mandate because I mean I'm sure this is a huge uh, medical contract right the government could say prove that it saves lives they'll mandate everybody has to wear a blood alcohol uh, monitor. uh, monitor so they can if look at drink, their blood alcohol monitor uh, uh, the bars yeah, will like, be checking your IDs and your blood alcohol monitor we're yeah. just robots with chips in us and and all kinds of stuff, you know, vaccine to the max. I mean, just you know, just you gotta up, you gotta have to have that thing calibrated. In order for it to make money, though, Jeremy, you gotta get it calibrated every month. You know, you gotta get, go in and get it calibrated by your uh, medical professional. Then you can make money on that. I guess how it works is it extracts uh, through the skin. So if that's the case, then that means the alcohol has to be in your system, right? You have to digest it. it means it has to go through. Your, your stomach, your intestines, your, I would think your liver, your kidneys. I don't know before it actually gets to the point where you're excreting mm. extre, excre, yeah, alcohol through your skin. It's a TAC sensor is what they're calling it. A, I'm a not transdermal a, I'm not a, alcohol content sensor. I'm not a scientist, so all that just went right over my head, which you said. But um, I will say this. Um, I don't know if I trust the science anymore. Well, you know how the body works, right? You eat something and you digest it, and then it gets into your bloodstream? Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's all they're saying. They're okay. just calling it a big fancy word. Transdermal alcohol content sensor. It's a tack. Mm-hmm. And you just stick it to your, your body. And so once the I alcohol, mean, they already make you know. people that have, like, multiple drunk driving offenses put that thing on their, on their ignition. And they have to blow. It has to come in at a certain number before they could start up the car. Um, this is just the, the the next level of that, right? I mean, I can see courts appointing this. I really can. Like, okay, you're going to have to wear a monitor. Well, they say within minutes it'll tell you your, your blood alcohol. That's interesting. So it wouldn't take, you wouldn't have to metabolize the alcohol before it went in. You wear but it on your it ankle, would- by the way. Do you remember when JW came in and plowed us full of alcohol for St. Patrick's Day? Yes. And do you remember how for the first two and a half hours... Never had a cop tell me to just, hey, pound it. <laughs> have For the two, first two and a half hours, we were perfectly fine. And it wasn't until two and a half hours in that we hit the wall. Yeah. Or we started to hit the wall. And then like three and a half hours, we'd really... It went, it went downhill really Hit fast. the wall. It was like a roller coaster out of, out of control. It takes time. So if you have this thing on and you're checking your blood alcohol content for the first couple hours, it might not register at all that high. But then later on, you know, as it starts to catch up, then that's what it's giving you. 
So if do it gets you, to a point where it's high, yeah. then you know, okay, I need to back off on my drinks. Is this good for the alcohol uh, business or bad for the alcohol business? Having too much knowledge. It could be good and bad. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you, on one side of it, you think, well, it could be bad because, you know, people aren't going to drink as much. But it could also be good because it could get more people to go out and drink because then they could kind of know where their limits are. I, I don't Control think you, freaks. you've ever had this issue, but I remember in college, we would, we would go out to a bar and you could, you know, metabolize alcohol way better than I could. Like you were. F- you were, we were yes. head, you know, we were side by side drinking big beers and I'm like, how is it? And I'm feeling wasted. So then I would go get uh, water and I still do this to that day. As soon as I start to feel like I'm a little too buzzed and I'll just go drink two glasses of water and it'll knock me back a couple of drinks and then I'll be good to have another beer or cocktail yeah, I, or whatever. I, I metabolize like crazy. I don't know what it is. I, I'm just, it's, it's a, it's, it's, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm, I'm okay when it comes to alcohol. If you've ever found yourself in a situation like we're like, wow, I've had a lot to drink. uh, I guess this would help kind of track it. And who knows? There's probably an app on your phone and it would just, you know, Bluetooth to it or whatever. And you would be able to see where your blood alcohol content is. I'm a little worried that people would use this as a way to drink and drive and say, well, look at that. It's, it's dropping, it's dropping, it's dropping. I bet you in a half hour I can drive home and I'll be legal. And then who knows how accurate that is compared to a Yes. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Smart about it. Hmm. Interesting. So, very, for, uh, science scares me, man. Look for the TAC sensor uh, from Yale University School of Medicine. It'll be in a in a bar near you, I'm sure, very very soon. Spending four hours in a box together every day can make you say crazy things. Jeff and Jeremy in the morning. So, Jeff, we've been talking about this for the last, I don't know, at least year, year and a half, maybe two years, that we just had the feeling that a lot of people were moving to the Central Coast from Los Angeles, from San Francisco. Those two areas in particular, they're moving out of big cities because they realize now they can work remotely, <laughs> pun intended. And uh, and they're coming to San Luis Obispo. They're bringing all that big money from Los Angeles and San Francisco. They're selling their homes for millions of dollars. And they're coming here and they're buying up the market. A new study just came out, uh, 15.5% increase in the past two years. Uh, the San Luis Obispo housing market has seen that uh, more people are applying for home loans here by up, up by 15.5% than, than they have. That is not the case everywhere else in the country. There are other areas that are, are growing, but obviously this is a very uh, desirable place to live. And so uh, we got our buddy Justin Stearns on from Assist Home Loans. He's at assisthomeloans.com. Uh, this is what you do, Justin. So, I mean, uh, what kind of, how, I mean, how much busier have you been over the past year in some change? Yeah, 2021 was probably our busiest year ever, actually, in terms of volume. And so that was driven by, you know, still a low rate environment, lots of refinance activity still happening, but a very, very strong purchase market, uh, of course. Uh, you know, the Central Coast is a unique place with uh, limited places to live, limited building going on. There's a little more of it going on now, but it's a low inventory market environment. And you've got a lot of demand, like you said, coming from big, big cities into our beautiful area. And so purchase money market was strong. So it was, it was a really strong year in 2021. 2022, a little bit of a change in tune here that's happening. And so the first uh, quarter of the year or so, um, what, do you, what do you see in this change in tune? Well, you've seen the fastest rise in interest rates really in history. 
um, with the Fed trying to curb inflation and some of the different other economic challenges that are going on. I know the average family is feeling uh, the price of gas and groceries and pretty much everything out there increasing. Um, and so what the Fed does to fight inflation is they, they have basically a couple different levers. One is how much liquidity they're putting into the economy, but the main lever is the interest rate environment. And so to combat inflation, they're rising rates. And that has, that's rates across the board called the federal funds rate. It trickles into every aspect of the economy, but mortgage rates in particular have risen at a faster rate than really since the 1980s uh, when we saw really peaks of, of interest rates, when you saw double-digit interest rates. Um, so that? that being said, guys, yeah. I mean, I, oh, no, that I, I was just going to ask, do you see this, this rush towards people trying to get the lowest rate that you could possibly get because, you know, the inflation doesn't seem like it's, it's slowing down. Those rates are probably going to still be going up. I mean, I would think that you would remain to be busy, uh, right now. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, that's a great point. Rates are still going up. Yes. We're in a trending upward environment, but rates are still really good. I mean, historically, the average 30-year fixed rate right now uh, with the MBA, Mortgage Bankers Association, nationwide is 5.375% uh, with zero points. And so you're still talking about a, historically a fantastic interest rate. And when you've got inflation that's pushing 8 to 9%, the real interest rate is actually running negative. And so money is relatively cheap right now, even though that doesn't impact a person's wallet, you know. The that sounds, but that sounds crazy to me, Justin. Because I mean, in January we got, I got pre-approved for a loan at 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 three percent, and I was reading a study yep. that it's going to be an extra five hundred and sixty-five dollars a month on top of your mortgage, paying the interest rate right now. I think that was at five point six percent. They didn't have all the fancy stuff you said, but it's very close. Yep. And I got to imagine with the housing rate. I mean, the housing markets these these numbers are higher than they've ever been. Like, like you said, the, the interest rates are crazy, and they're going to keep going up. Eventually, don't you see this bubble bursting? Don't you see it p- coming to a point where people, because I could see it here where I live, that the people are already dropping their houses fifty, sixty, seventy-five thousand dollars $75,000 because they weren't selling in a week when they went on the market. They're now sitting there for a month, two months, and people are like, wow, okay, yeah, we thought we could get an extra fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars $75,000, and we're starting to see it come down now. It's still way overpriced for the area that I live in, but it's, but you see that starting to happen. Yeah, I see a little bit of leveling. I don't really see a lot of price dropping right now, maybe a little bit in the luxury market. Um, but there's still a, such a high demand for our area and such a low inventory that the housing market is running strong and with rates still relatively low on a historical basis. I don't see a lot of that changing this year. I think that you're going to see some leveling, and, and if the economy enters recession, potentially uh, a reversal in, in home prices. But I wouldn't bank on prices dropping this year. No, I think of course more not. more of a leveling layout. But it, what, it, if, if somebody is looking price. to buy in the next year or two, do you see it dropping next year? Do you see it dropping in 23, 24? Or, or do you have you any know, idea? It's always a possibility, but I'll, I'll give you, I don't have a crystal ball, but even in the 2008 mortgage crisis and the crash, our area was protected, like very well protected. We're just in a high desirable area with a very low inventory. And so, you know, real estate in the Central Coast is a fantastic investment when you put it against other areas, big cities where you have a downturn that affects prices 
in a much higher way. Uh, now we're not, we're not immune. Don't take, don't take it that way. But, sure. um, the central coast is just a fantastic place to be. People want to be here and it, yeah, we're going to definitely see leveling off. We may even see a reversal in 2023, but I don't think it's going to be anything drastic because of the demand that it's there. Not like other places that you probably would think there would be where with mm-hmm. Justin Stearns, he's uh, assist home loans. Uh, that's who he's with. And um, it, it's interesting because you mentioned 2008. 2008, we didn't have this this thing that came about where people realized they could work remotely. And you talked about inventory here on the Central Coast. It seems mm-hmm. I, I was I was listening to something the other day that said that uh, as far as California goes, we were one of three counties in the whole state that actually had a gain in population. Um, uh, there's 58 <laughs> counties, 58 counties in the in the state. There's, we're one of three. Yeah. Um, obviously, people are are coming here, and I I, w- I actually ran into full disclosure. By the way, Justin uh, helped me out with uh, with our home purchase, and um, I ran into our realtor the other day at a birthday party, and she said that uh, there's houses that are you know being listed. In, in San Luis Obispo proper for like 1.2 and they're getting offers from out of towners coming in at 1.6. You know, they haven't even walked through the house Crazy. before. So it's Crazy. still in high yeah. demand. It is. And the are, demand are, is outpacing are, every other metric. Yeah, it's crazy yeah. because it, these aren't mansions. I mean, this was a house in yeah, the I arbors. Know. This was a three bedroom, two bath, yeah, know. you know, two thousand square foot house yeah. in the arbors. And it's frustrating yeah. for people that, are, you know, are renting and want to buy. Because, you know, I think there's a lot of people in that situation that's like, wow, I wish I would have bought, you know, a couple of years ago. And, and then I would feel a little bit more secure five years ago or six years ago. And, you know, now if you're sitting here and you're like, wow, I, I think I'll just try to wait it out a couple more years. Otherwise, I'm going to get locked into this rate that is really high. And you look at the, the, the country and the economy and the recession on the loom and inflation. And eventually something has to give. And I got to imagine at some point, and you're the expert, that these interest rates will start to come back down when, you know, they're not selling mm, as many know. houses, but well, this is a, spe- a very special area. I get it. It is special, yeah, but so you're right. Cyclical markets are, are healthy in the long run. We need a change. We can't run at low lowest interest rates in history forever, and we can't run a hot economy forever. It just doesn't work that way. And so, in a way, it, I know it's hard to understand on a short-term basis, but the rise in interest rates is good to kind of stoke, you know, calm the fire down a little bit, and bring some normalization because the average person, the fact of the matter is the average person's getting squeezed out a little bit with the rise in rates because it's becoming unaffordable and COVID and the remote work and the high demand has driven big money from cities into our area. And so it is becoming a more and more less affordable situation for the average person. Uh, it's unfortunate, but if you are a homeowner in this area, it's a fantastic investment. And if you can get in, it is a fantastic investment. And remember, guys, real estate is a long-run deal. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's good to pay over time because of the tax advantages, because of the pay down of the debt that you take on to buy it, and because of the appreciation over time. And so I'm still an advocate of home ownership. I think it's good for the average person over time. And I think that cyclical markets are good for everyone overall. 
over time. We're talking to our buddy Justin Stearns with Assist Home Loans. Assisthomeloans.com. New report came out that said uh, San Luis Obispo County metro area has experienced a 15% and a half increase in mortgage loan applications. People from outside the area, Los Angeles, San Francisco, the Bay Area, Orange County, I mean, Southern and Central California above us are now moving to the area where it's cheaper to live and they're bringing all that big dollar from that big city and they're buying up stuff and it's leaving the rest of us going, hey, I can't afford a three-bedroom, two-bath, million-dollar house, but these people can afford to pay twice what it's worth for on the market and that's what we were talking about. I don't know how it was for for you guys, um, but I remember my parents bought their first house, I think, in 1979, which was a horrible time for when you talk about the interest rates. Now, my parents built their first house in 1979. Yeah, I think it was, I think the uh, interest rate that they had was like a 12 or something like that. Could you? I mean, I know my mom told me it was we're, eight and a half. We're griping about nine. five right yeah, now. Yeah, no, it was eight and a half. Five nine, is yeah. lo- looking good. My parents would have killed for a 5%. But they rate. also built a 3,500 square foot house for $115,000 <laughs> yeah, and exactly. had five acres of land <laughs> right outside Mount Rainier yep. National Park. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. like it was in the city, but it was a beautiful area. It's crazy. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's you know, six, one half dozen the other. And what was a gallon of gas back then is the question. 79 cents. I remember. Probably less. It's so funny. It's so yeah. funny that you bring up that question, Justin, because I remember it's, it's like one of my earliest memories, them freaking out because the 7-Eleven down the street from our house went up to a dollar nine. And they're like, oh, dollar nine. Okay. Cause it was, it was the Carter, uh, it was the Carter inflation recession, all that, you know, that, that we were coming yeah. off of. And, um, and then so I ran it through a, um, Inflation calculator, because I remember that number, 109, you know, thinking, okay, that's, that's expensive for gas because my parents were freaking out about it. I was like five. And, uh, I ran it through an inflation calculator and, and I did this a couple months ago, so it's probably even more so now, but it, it equated to about 360, I think at the time. And mm-hmm. <laughs> for a gallon of gas, now we're spending six. Over no six. Problem. Over six. Yeah. yeah. Crazy it's, it's crazy okay so we know that a lot of people are moving here and what's the inventory situation like i mean is there enough inventory for all these people to move here and bring all their big money and you know it's like yeah the house went on the market for one two but they're you know people are offering one eight one six whatever uh you have to have a lot yeah. to to bring in to play in the game yeah I, I don't have the exact statistics on inventory with me right now, but I can tell you this, that inventory is the primary driver. The demand is high. The inventory is low. We're starting to see a little more inventory come onto the market as rates creep, but really that's the the issue is there's just a limited amount of housing here. And, you know, with the high demand, it just drives prices up regardless of other, other economic conditions. Um, so, you know, we need that normalization and the first step towards normalization is that increase to the interest rate to kind of, calm the fire down a little bit running so hot right now um you know that it's just not sustainable so look for leveling of prices look for some stability and uh you know long run real estate's still a good move i I will say this guys from from a payment perspective because that's really what what hits the average person hard right right you got to fill up your tank it's a hundred bucks rates go up your mortgage payment increases so how are the, some of the ways we're able to combat that in the mortgage business is the adjustable rate mortgage, for example, which has a really bad reputation because of the 08 crisis and the pay option arm and negative amortizing loans. 
those are a thing of the past. The new adjustable rate mortgages, they have some built-in protections. Contact Assist Home Loans. Contact your, your favorite mortgage person. Ask them about it. Sometimes it's a way to get a better payment that's more sustainable, and it's still fixed for a five, seven, or 10-year period. And it has some protections built in on what happens after that based on market conditions. So it's not the risky, you know, bad player that everybody thinks from the 08 crisis. But it's something to look into if you need some reprieve in terms of your monthly payment. Because I think people do out there. They need something to, to help. So that's okay. one option to look into. I'll tell you this, working with Justin for two home purchases, the guy's a magic man. Because, um, listen, we don't have the best credit. And <laughs> It's not something I like to brag about, but he was able to figure out a way for us, and um, and and he's super knowledgeable. To the like, it's like working with a computer. I mean, the the guy is super knowledgeable when it comes to um, working out and figuring out a way for you to uh, qualify for a house. And uh, we thank you for joining us this morning, Justin. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, guys. All right, there goes Love Justin Stearns. Yeah, Good thank problem. you very oh, much. Thanks. All right, take Appreciate care, it. buddy. Uh, that is assisthomeloans.com if you want to uh, reach out to him. You know, it'd be really interesting, Jeff, to see a study of how many people moving into the area, and that's what we're talking about here, this 15.5% increase in applications for mortgages, and how many people are leaving the area because they're yes. trying to capitalize on selling their house at the highest, moving somewhere where it's cheaper, maybe even renting until the the market comes down and then rebuying again. It, seen, it's all a gamble, but gambling's in, fun. In my neighborhood in the last three weeks alone, I've seen three different instances of that taking place. I mean, it's like it's like you could tell when when your neighbors are tr- going to try and sell their home because they like spruce it up, and then also there are people that have a complete fire sale. Yeah. Like they just put everything out on the curb, have a huge garage sale, put a free sign after afterwards, and then they're they're in a moving truck with the stuff yeah. they're keeping and leaving leaving. Dogs. We don't need money for this stuff. We just made four hundred thousand dollars on our house yeah, that we exactly. bought twenty years ago. Two days later, there's a there's a for sale sign in the yard, and there's no cars and nothing inside the house. It's crazy. insane yeah. how this is working out. Pretty crazy area to live in. Anyways, once again, you want to find out more about mortgage loans. If you want to get into the game, assisthomeloans.com. Give everybody Justin a call. We'll be right back. Jeff and Jeremy in the morning on 93.3 KZOZ. So the other day, uh, the pilot that landed the plane when the pilot passed out i just said that the wrong way the other day when the passenger landed the plane that when the pilot passed out it was a cessna didn't this have this happened in florida right jeff it's like yeah you know, somewhere in there they were coming back from the bahamas they went over the bahamas and i want to say a little cessna but then i saw a picture of the guy that actually ended up ultimately landing the plane he was not the pilot he was the passenger and he was back in the back of the plane with his feet on another seat that was leather. So this is like, it was like a, a passenger-ish type Cessna. It was not a super small Cessna. Did they say it was a Cessna? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. They did say it was a Cessna. I saw him standing in front of a plane that looked like it had du- like twin engines on it, but maybe that was just in the background when they happened to take the photo. Is- yeah, it was in a hangar that they did, they, they did an interview, I guess, with them, and it, in the interview, it was in a made-for-TV hangar, kind of like outside, out here at ACI Jet. 
Which, just, by the way, next time you come to town, yeah. you just walk over, walk over to ACI Jet and walk in there and look at that place. It looks like a, it looks like a museum. Dude, the place oh, is yeah. incredible. Well, I mean, I remember always seeing it driving in, like it, you know, lit up and everything. And oh my gosh, fancy. it's like you feel like you're walking into a movie set at that. Place. It looks it's fancier really nice. than the Ronald Reagan Museum, which has an entire. <laughs> um, yes, what does. do you call that? Uh, where they store the airplanes? Hanger? Hanger, yeah. It's got his uh, 727 that was his presidential jet that, you know, Air Force One is in there, plus some helicopters. This thing looks way, way sicker. Uh, Darren uh, Harrison is the dude's name. And uh, he said that he had thought about this moment in the past. Like when you fly, have you ever thought you might have to like jump up there and land the plane because the pilot strokes out or something? Like that's kind of weird. But he apparently has considered this exact situation in the past. My nightmare's always been when I go on flights like this, what happens if something health-wise happens to the pilot? What's going to happen? You've thought about that before. Oh, I've thought about it many a times. That's so strange. Um, what I thought was really interesting, though, is when he talked about... If I'm a pilot, I'm not accepting him to fly on my plane because... <laughs> he's bad luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is I'm the like, actual... Wait, you're the, guy, you're the guy that saved my life, ultimately? No. Uh, that could save my life, ultimately? No. I don't want to pass out in the first place. Well, I mean, but seriously, I mean, he was able to do it, so maybe I would feel better with him there than somebody else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's the actual moment that it would, he kind of goes through when the pilot passed out. He kind of did a move like this and said, guys, I got to tell you, I don't feel good. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, I got a headache and I'm fuzzy and I just don't feel right. And I said, what do we need to do? And at that point, he didn't respond at all. He was already done. There's something about his voice. He sounds like a manly man, like he could do anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a badass. Yeah, he definitely sounds like a badass. Uh, then, of course, he landed the plane. He talks about that whole thing. And by the time I had moved forward to the front of the airplane, I realized that we had now gone into a dive at a very wow. fast rate. I knew if I didn't react that we would die. And so I reached over his body because he's at this point unresponsive. And I grabbed the controls of the airplane and slowly started to pull back on the stick and turn. How did you know how to do that? Just because we've all seen sense, Top Gun, bitch. On Come on, we all have seen. We don't. We don't. Everybody knows to pull the plane up. You pull back. Everybody knows that. I would have pulled it back quickly, though, and apparently that's not what you do, according to this guy. This guy said that he went up there and he slowly pulled it because yeah, because if you pull it back quickly, it will rip the wings off the plane. That's yeah. he had the wherewithal to know that much about it. So that's not. a bit a bit strange. Like I feel like he's got flight experience, or he's just very or maybe he's, he's flown a bunch and he's talked to pilots. And you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that whenever I ride with somebody in the car, we end up talking the whole time. So I, I don't know, but yeah, he did the right me, thing, and it's amazing. Let so. me ask you a question here: uh, If you get fuzzy and uh, piss out, uh, pull back easy on this. Is that the thing on sure. that? I mean, is that what I'm supposed to do? So, I mean, it's just uh, yeah, if you're ever in this situation and you nosedive, don't yank it. Just grab it and pull it back, and eventually that nose will come up. And then you got to get this guy, like, dead weight of a human man, I mean, of a male. I mean, that can't be easy either. Yeah, getting him out of that reached, seat. He reached over him to do that part. 
He didn't even bother moving him. He just kind of like got back behind him and then grabbed the the stick. He said, right. and pulled back pulled back slowly. So then the the plane would correct itself and kind of got it leveled. And well, you it, know, it's a fascinating interview, actually. Whenever you see an airplane, a jet or an airplane, you always see there's two controls, right? So it's not like a car has two steering wheels, but they have two controls, and you can be in the passenger seat, couldn't you? And then still do can fly the airplane i mean no i mean i guess i mean yeah why not it's not it's it's not a steering wheel and you don't have like a gas and a brake like you do in a car this next part of the interview drives me nuts people are giving this guy cancel culture is already kicking in because he didn't call his wife like seriously i'm trying to save my life at the airplane and not die i don't have time to call my wife because i'm on with air traffic control you know trying to figure this out what if you would have crashed and died and you didn't get a chance to tell your wife you loved her? You could have at least called her. You could have reached out to her. You had time. In my mind, I knew I wasn't going to die. And the thought See? never crossed my mind to call and tell my wife Badass. Bye. Badass. Yeah, plus, you told your wife goodbye when you left, right? I mean, I always do. Last thing we say to each other is, I love you. That's pretty common, isn't it, for when you're married? So, dude, this guy... This guy, he's, he's no Sullenberger, but he's up there. I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't know. I think he might be a little bit more impressive than Sullenberger, given, but I don't know because I feel as if, though, he might not have experience flying a plane at all, but he was very observant of, fly, uh, of, of pilots in order to pull off what he did pull off and was very smart at, at, at listening to what air traffic control told him to do. Once again, we still don't know what happened to the pilot, if he's dead, alive. Yeah, that's right. If he had you know, low blood sugar, if he had a heart attack. <laughs> like, so how, come, how come Savannah couldn't have uh, said anything about that? You know? yeah, yeah, nice job, Savannah. <laughs> oh, by the way, what happened to the pilot? Oh, he's no longer with us. Subscribe to the Jeff and Jeremy podcast now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and YouTube. It's your Central Coast commute-friendly podcast.